Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today's episode is brought to you by VirtualTravelEvents.com, the leading digital event platform for travel advisors and travel industry suppliers. The process of attending physical trade shows can be expensive and time-consuming for travel advisors, and that's why 90% of advisors don't bother with them. The yearly virtual events on weddings, honeymoons, luxury travel, group travel, and so much more puts advisors and suppliers together with live presentations, interviews with top industry executives and travel professional peers, live chats, and the opportunity to win prizes for attending and participating. Head over to virtualtravelevents.com to learn more. What's up, everyone? Today is Tuesday, January 3rd. Happy Travel Tuesday and Happy New Year, everyone. We've got a great show for you today, talking big news around the world of travel. And hey, we do have a new hotline for the show. So call in, leave a message if you want to hear yourself on the show sometime. Let me know your thoughts on the show. If you have any questions, anything you want to drop in there, give us a call 201-381-3017. That's the Travel Pulse podcast number. And now joining me on the show today is Angela Hughes, owner of Trips and Ships Luxury Travel. Welcome to the show, Angela. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Thanks. I'm so happy to be on, and I always love to read your guys' stuff. So this is a real treat to be kicking off the year with you guys. Um, like you said, I'm Angela Hughes. I'm a veteran in the travel industry, um, both educated in the industry with a master's degree in tourism and hospitality, but I'm a host owner and also have a, a small travel agency, a boutique agency, and then run a program called the Luxury Travel University, So, which is consulting, private consulting. So that's my story. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to jump on and talk travel here. We've got a lot to discuss. We're going to dive deep into the top travel trends of 2023. Is it the beginning of the year here and an exciting year ahead is certainly going to be. But first, before we do that, in case this is your first time listening, every episode, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin first with a celebration of the new year. Lots of Resolutions and goals were talked about, I'm sure, set in motion over the last week, and certainly some have already been broken. Here we are three days into the year, and that's how it always goes, right? But uh, Angela, are you setting any New Year's resolutions this year? Anything travel-related, or are you just pushing it off like some people do? I mean, first of all, let's say I'm doing really bad on food, because I'm currently in Hawaii, so I'm like already, you know, <laughs> broke my food goal 24 minutes in. But yeah, actually, I have lots of goals this year, not only for my office, but I think it's going to be probably our best year back. And not just from COVID, but I'm, I'm saying long-term, this could be our best year. I think so many agencies are prepped and ready um, for a solid full year. Uh, we were just discussing how we didn't really, we kind of ended really strong. A lot of agencies ended strong and had a really good year. We had a lot of rebookings, but it's going to be great to have four full quarters that are profitable this year and not have to deal with like the Omicron that kind of hit us in January of last year and kind of knocked out our first quarter and so forth. So I, I'm really optimistic about the numbers. We're already almost to double of what we did last year. And so I'm expecting strong results. That's great. Yeah, we would love to hear that. It's good for the industry. I think it's going to be a strong year of 2023 travel, certainly, you know, peaks and valleys as there always are. And, you know, there's going to be hiccups and and things that happen and storms that delay things and all that good stuff, but or bad stuff, should I say not good stuff, all that stuff. Um, but as far as, you know, goal, I, I agree with you. It's important to set goals and, and, you know, strive for a positive year here. So is there any particular resolution or goal you think most advisors out there need to set for themselves this year? Yeah, I really think that you need to look at your bottom numbers. And I feel like this is an issue that most advisors have is they, they come into the industry and they're like, oh, I want to go to these destinations. And so they set their goals based on where they personally kind of want to travel instead of exactly what the dollar volume that they could be making. So I think it's really critical that they 
come in laser focused on what their numbers are. And that means getting to the bottom of how much it costs to run their agency, run their independent consulting business, and what they actually want to bring in and then build. They want to make six digits, which is really easy to do if you're you know, working in groups, charging fees, and, and selling strong premium luxury products. You could be making six digits, but you need to know where that revenue is going to be coming from. So... Very sound advice. I, I agree there. I think that's certainly important. And you do, there are a lot of advisors out there in the industry who just, you just want to travel a little bit and have the little perks of that. But I mean, there, I've just over the last year, even the last six months, really, I just met so many advisors that were, you mentioned laser focused phrase and that's, you, you can tell when someone has that and they're, they're ready to go. And, and I know a lot of those people, I've seen a lot of posts about, you know, 2023 resolutions or goals or recapping of 2022s and everything and how excited they are for 2023. And I think there's going to be a lot of that. So I think that's very, very sound advice there. And, and I love that. And I hope all our listeners tuning in will take that to heart. And if you have any thoughts on your resolutions or goals, podcast at travelpulse.com is the email address. You can shoot us a note. Jumping over to tr other trending news, though, on um, the last week, as it was the final week of 2022, when we enter into 23 here, the big story really in the world of travel was uh, over in the air travel sector. And boy, was it a rough week for Southwest yeah. Airlines. So the, the big winter storm started the issues for Southwest, but really the IT infrastructure led to it being kind of a disaster week for the airline there. Southwest saw nearly 16,000 flights canceled, people missing time with their families over the holidays, you know, bags piled up or lost. I mean, it was it was bad. So Angela, your thoughts on this uh, Southwest rough week? Where Did you get a chance to check much of it? I know you've been traveling some, so. Well, yeah, I was actually impacted by it myself. I had my flights canceled um, to get to... LA to get to Hawaii. And so I ended up having to buy a last minute um, Delta ticket. So I, I was really watching that because it, it was truly one of the bigger disasters we've had in air. And I mean, oddly enough, I wrote my master's thesis on the diffusion of Southwest Airlines um, decades ago. And so I've always followed their innovative approach. And this was kind of this was so many pieces colliding at the same time, and we was really impacted on the winter storm to to kick everything off. This could have been avoided um, if the last decade they would have improved their technology. And I mean, they've just been lagging in technology. They've been lagging in Wi-Fi. I mean, there's so many things. And I'm I'm an avid Southwest flyer. I um, use their companion passes with my kids. Um, I'm also a Delta Diamond. I, I've been watching this um, train wreck roll of probably the last five years, and I think it really was the perfect storm. It took this monumental weather disaster to just shake up what probably needed to be done 10 years ago in, in their company. Because really with Herb Kelleher back 20 years ago, CEO, um, you know, it was running so much smoother. They They've had leadership that that has done a good job with Southwest, but they haven't improved in their technology. And that's that's where it really um, broke down this week. Yeah, so. you can't, can't get behind on the, on the tech, tech side of things, yeah. especially when you're, you're that large and you've got, you know, your competitors out there are certainly going to use this to their advantages. You know, you, took, look, you talk about the IT issues. For those who aren't too familiar, they, basically the wait times for scheduling with their crew was kind of the issue. And it took over four or five hours to find out where the next assignment was for a lot of the crew out there, which is just absolutely ridiculous. You had people that were ready to work and willing to work, but just couldn't get in touch with where they needed to be or where they needed to go. And then didn't end up working for like an entire weekend, which is just maddening, you know, it's, it shouldn't happen like that. You had a uh, U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, you know, he wanted, said it's how unacceptable it was in his statement. And is anything going to come of that? Is he going to do any sort of crackdowns? You know, I don't know. Time will tell on that, but 
Yeah, well, I think they're definitely going to investigate. I mean, the thing is, if it wouldn't have been Christmas week and if it wouldn't have been one of the biggest blizzards in the Northeast and so forth, maybe it wouldn't have been so compounding. But, you know, throw four or five things in the mix like that and people who haven't traveled for two or three years to see relatives and finally back in. You've got a lot of emotions flowing. Absolutely. The the timing of it, too. Like I was thinking I was talking about this with uh, my brother-in-law, who's a former pilot. And I was like, if this happened over like President's Day weekend in February, you know, there's a snowstorm and you got issues and it's probably a story for a couple of days and it dies down maybe, but it, yeah. in Southwest may not have to be faced with scrutiny of trying to finally fix this issue. But the fact that it happened, you know, Christmas week and New Year's and everything, maybe, you right. know, the, they'll get the, the ship right there, so to speak. Right. And but right. We, we do know that, you know, anyone who said that they're never going to fly Southwest over this past week, I don't want to say, I don't want to speak in absolutes and not anyone, but most people who were saying that, you know, as soon as they drop a $59 flight deal, th- those people are going to be jumping back and flying with Southwest again. That's that's how things go, right? Uh, and one thing I liked about it is Southwest, the CEO came out, he apologized. Yes. He, he didn't mince words. He was like, hey, we had a breakdown. Here's what went wrong. We're going to make things right. And they're stepping up and taking responsibility. And, and what can you do? Every company's right. broken down somewhere along the line, whether you're a cruise line, an airline, or a hotel, whatever, you know, everybody's had a breakdown. This was monumental for them, um, which is really kind of unprecedented for them because they usually have had really, really great operations. So for me, it it really won't impact whether or not I fly them again. Um, I, I'll be flying them again. I just see it as a breakdown and only good can come out of it. So yeah, I like that. That's a great approach and a great attitude to have on that. So hopefully our listeners out there and all those people on social media who are trashing Southwest will, you know, have that same attitude and approach as well when we get into 2023, especially as those flight deals come around. I, th- I think Southwest will be will be all right. So moving over to cruise news, a couple items here. First, um, cruise lines, there are four companies, cruise companies, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, and MSC have been ordered by a federal judge to pay over $400 million in fines for trafficking and confiscated property in Cuba. It was ordered by the federal judge to pay up, saying they committed trafficking acts, referring to them having engaged in prohibited tourism by conveying U.S. passengers to Cuba and utilizing the port facilities that Fidel Castro had commandeered from U.S.-owned Havana Docks Corporation without its consent or compensation decades ago. So that is a ordeal that the, these major cruise lines are going through right now. But for me, just looking at this, it just seems like another hit for a potential return to Cuba cruising. So maybe maybe we'll have that in the future, but I don't know. What do you think, Angela? Do you think cruising will ever return to Cuba? Yeah, well, first of all, I think this, this story is so tricky because we're probably not getting the full story on everything that went down with that and why they're being right. exactly fined. Uh, I mean, I think anytime you're working with that government or, you know, yeah. um, th- there's probably a lot of things we don't know ha- happened with this. Um, right when you read the... the the words trafficking that red, you know raises a red flag. Do I think cruising's going to return to Cuba? It, it probably will return. I was sad to see it shut down um, okay. during. I think it was the Trump administration, right? We're right. so far off now. Yeah, that that it was closed down. I think any time that you take tourism out of an island, it it always impacts the people because you've got that that positive money flow going into the island. It was so tricky when we reopened outside of cruising to go there. People were still so hesitant. I I just don't feel like we're going to have this gigantic rush now to go back to Cuba. I think those early, um, early like travel leaders that wanted to get there did it back in the day. And um, 
I, I just think there's too many other destinations now. I don't think people, you know, we've had a, like our Cuba moment. I, I just don't feel like, yeah, people will want to go there because it's a new island. But do I feel like people are going to be beating down the door to, you know, open Cuba back up? I don't think so. I think the bigger issue is that people, that what people want, like in the state of Florida, is the Cubans want to be able to move freely back and forth between Cuba and so forth if they're American citizens. And, you know, that impacts more than the tourism industry for just leisure you know as families reuniting and be able to go back to cuba freely is is a bigger issue definitely so i think it's one of those things where time will tell Uh, i feel like cuba fills for me it was a big big bucket list in the beginning now it's kind of wand off and i'm like oh take it or leave it you know it's a one-time event (laughs) Yeah, I think it was, I want to say it was like maybe four years, 15 to 19, yeah. That, yeah, that it was open. And I went in 2017. I had a great time with Norwegian. It was a good cruise experience. Yeah. First time my uh, in-laws had ever actually cruised, and it was an all-inclusive one, and they, they were hooked on it. And they this the, the draw to go to Cuba was actually what pulled them into finally doing their first cruise, honestly. And I, I think that it'll return someday, sure. Yeah, there's, there's money to be made on that, and, you know, money rules all. So it's certainly something in the future, but it's too hard to say right now. On, yeah, there's like you said, there's a lot in this story we probably don't know about and how much of the story will actually impact the future of that. And is is it really on the radar of, you know, anyone in the industry too much this year for for that as far as cruise lines? You know, I, I doubt it. Maybe in five years from yeah, now, they'll, they'll revisit I really that. Feel like the, this story doesn't even um, kind of phase me at all. Um, I'm saddened to see that it, it it does impact the cruise lines, though, that they were, you know, having some type of trafficking, so to speak, of you know, without payment to families or whatever. Um, I, I just feel like there's probably so much more and it's just probably so dishonest all, all the way around. You know, I, yeah, I would Car- love to read the back files of this one. Yeah, Carnival <laughs> so. did come out and Carnival refuted it and said they didn't think they did anything wrong and everything. So yeah, this may play out more. It certainly will be interesting. And yeah, if it's a tourism related stuff, we'll certainly update it on things. But yeah, I think in time, you know, Cuba, it's a great destination you should visit just because it is, you know, gorgeous and the people there are, you know, do need help. So if you can visit, then yeah. And then if cruising can help that, then sure, certainly be great. But I don't think it's going to be any sort of big push for 23 here at all. So. Absolutely not. I don't feel like it's on anybody's radar right now. Yeah. So in other cruise news, we had Carnival Cruise Line announced recently that they are naming Emerald Lagasse their chief culinary officer. Emerald's Bistro is located on board the Carnival Mardi Gras, which I've had. It was a delicious uh, Carnival celebration as well, and also going to be on the Carnival Jubilee. So the Carnival's new ship's there, getting Emerald on, on board. Uh, Angela, what, what are your thoughts? Celebrity chefs on cruises. I'm curious what you think about this as you would do. I actually think it's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it on the river cruises where they brought in, you know, different authors and different people to entertain. Um, I love this whole chef idea because I feel like everything in the industry is moving towards uh, culinary and wellness. People want more intimate experiences with that. And so um, I was a little shocked. It was with Carnival as more of an entry level mass market and not a seaborne per se. But will this lead the way to having other great chefs on other ships now? So, and I think it's a win for Carnival. You know, their ships are bright, they're brand new. Um, you know, they're bringing on big names on TV. I, I think it's a great move for the mass market. Agreed. Um, for yeah. Good, mm-hmm. good scoop for Carnival. We love that. They already have Guy Fieri. His burgers are fantastic on that cruise yeah. ship. That I uh, that exceeded my expectations too because I had heard uh, I'd heard great things about his burger place, you know, on the ships. But his actual restaurants have been hit or miss from a few uh, 
multiple different people. Some people loved it. Some people absolutely hated it as far as whereas right. restaurants out there. So, you know, I, but I, you know, went for myself and had to taste it. And yeah, his burgers were fantastic. Emerald spot was really great. I'd love to see more of the food network TV people on, on cruises. I think, like you said, great for the mass market. You're going to appeal to a lot of consumers with a big name like Emerald. And that's what, you know, probably what they're going for, for sure. But like you said, maybe a Seaborn, it seems like it might fit more, but maybe that's just a, But I'll I'll tell you what it does do is seeing that I would be interested in going on Carnival just for that experience where I might not elect to do that normally because I work in the other space so much. But I feel like that would be a poll for people who might not jump on a Carnival for otherwise, you know. Yep. Very, very true there. So I'm waiting for, you know, let's see Bobby Flay. Let's see Giada. Let's see Gordon Ramsay on some cruise ships. Let's make it happen, people. Come on in. Let's see it. So, So Mm -hmm. yes. And jumping over to destination news, the big news there in the last week is China's easing restrictions for entry. Inbound travelers to China will no longer need to quarantine beginning January 8th, 2023, although that may not last long. Apparently, it's kind of tricky right now. Many countries, the U.S. included, are requiring travelers to China to take a COVID-19 test prior to boarding their flight. And due to this, China actually is now threatening a response, saying early Tuesday from their foreign ministry spokesperson, said that we are firmly opposed to attempts to manipulate the COVID measures for political purposes, and we will take countermeasures. So maybe that'll uh, change and you will have to quarantine again in China. It remains to be seen. We'll see how that plays out over the next week. It is, we are five days away from January 8th as I'm recording this. But, you know, as we talk about, you know, 2023 and Asia is going to have a big resurgence, as we've mentioned a few times on this podcast, I believe. Angela, you know, we know that Japan and Thailand and Singapore too are, are certainly going to have a resurgence in 2023. But do you think there's going to be interest or demand for China as these restrictions finally ease? Because they've, they've been the strictest, you know, in the world on, on COVID measurements and everything. But finally, you know, the quarantine being lifted soon, a COVID test won't be needed. You know, we're going to get back to, you know, COVID tests not being needed anywhere in, in, in life uh, as far as uh, travel restrictions go. And can't wait for that when the entire world doesn't have that. But as it regards to Asia and, and China here specifically, do you think there's interest or demand there from leisure or is it still just a, a business play, at least, you know, for this year? Yeah, I actually sold our first China tour since awesome. pre-COVID um, two weeks ago. And so I was a little shocked when they bought it. Um, they're very exclusive luxury travelers. They bought an adventure by Disney. They wanted to go safe with a with a brand name. Um, I actually think we're going to see a big spirited comeback um, with Chinese tourism and but I think it's going to start with domestic tourism within for a year or two. And then as people feel more comfortable, I still feel like we have kind of this anti-hate China mentality with people because of COVID mm-hmm. that they're like, I never go into China because of the COVID situation, which, you know, is absolutely ridiculous. Agreed, <laughs> China yeah. is a fantastic place to travel to. So I think when, um, you know, we're talking about travelers who feel uncomfortable traveling as a whole, they're not going to be returning. You're going to see your early entry people being more the adventure. I'm definitely going. um, So I'll be there, but it's going to take a certain type of traveler. And I think as things as the restrictions, I think it's going to be a while though. I say, give it a year. I mean, my people are booked for September. That seems like fall's a good time to like start. I don't know if I would be an early onboarder to that because I feel like there's still that lockdown. They, you feel like you could get locked in there. Um, right. We just had our first Japanese travelers come back because, you know, we opened in October. And so we've been right. having them travel through the holidays and everything. Um, come back with no problems. I've been in Indonesia and Singapore myself this year. So I think Asia is red hot. And um, China is just, it's going to be a slower, but it's, it's going to come back with vengeance, I think. 
Yeah, in time, for sure. I mean, it's such a massive draw of a destination. You know, so many people have the Great Wall on their bucket list. They, they, they have for to sure. do that sometime, even if that's literally the only thing they do in China, just to be able to say, yeah, I was on the Great Wall. I just climbed the steps. And so many people want that. But it, yeah, it's going to take time. And you know, maybe by the fall, we'll see a, a little boost there. Like you mentioned, you have people going in in September, October. I think that's a good window to to focus if, if you have someone that really wants China this year. But it might, the bigger uh, issue might is really Hong Kong. And I mean, we had all the political strife with Hong Kong prior to COVID, um, which was slowing down the whole Chinese market as a whole um, with, you know, Hong Kong's a big piece of, of going to China for people as well. And so, you know, politically, they can't pull it together. It'll be really interesting. You know, will people just go to Beijing, hit the Great Wall, it, yeah, and get out? Be out or, or will they cruise there? That's the other thing. Will yeah. the cruising start back up and will they be able to do the touch points around the perimeter and and then get out. I don't know how, how that's going to look, but you know, Hong Kong's going to play a big role on how China looks in the future. Yeah. And good on point on the, uh, the cruising there. I think that is a, a easy way for, if you're wanting to get into China, maybe, you know, hop on the cruise. If you're, as far as leisure travel goes, if you're, if that's something you're looking for, but again, you know, we need it all to open back up and in time it will, we will get there folks. Uh, positive thinking, right? So yeah. That, that wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel in the last week. Any additional thoughts, you can drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. Now we're going to jump over to our theme of the week around top 2023 travel trends. So, Angela, let's kick it off right here. Just your top uh, three. Let's say what are some three of the biggest trends you think are going to define the 2023 travel year? Yeah, I th- I, I've been running with this all year, but I think people are looking for elite destinations. Right now, I think Egypt's sizzling hot. I, a lot of requests for Indonesia, um, in which I, th- I think is going to really, really trend with the younger people. That's what we're seeing. A lot of honeymoons there. It's cheaper to go there. You've got some great properties. Um, I feel like we're going to stay super hot in Europe with with river cruising with Italy, Greece, France, Spain, all the regulars there. Um, we are seeing some offbeat things like people wanting Lapland, like I'm doing Finland myself and going up to the Lapland and um, up to the Arctic. And so um, the other thing trending really super hot is expeditions and safaris. And that's where we're putting all our money and time is, is continuing to grow that. Uh, that. That was really hot for us coming right out of COVID. I went in September of 2020 straight to Tanzania to make sure we had relationships settled on the ground there. And, um, you know, the whole village wasn't spending the money. <laughs> you know, just making sure everybody, you know, was was still alive over there. And um, we could we could do business because we use a lot of destination management companies there. And I, I returned seven times to Africa since um, fall of 2020. And I feel like our safari business is hot. Um, doing a lot of Antarctica right now. I think everybody wants on the Antarctica train. And I think you're going to see a growing trend with the Maldives. People are tired of paying um Tahiti prices for an overwater bungalow. And okay. I think Maldives is going to be coming in strong. So yeah. benefit from that. Yeah. Picturesque destinations, uh, the Instagram able, you know, views yeah. for sure. People are, are definitely hooked in, and reeled into that. And, you know, you mentioned the expeditions and safaris and Antarctica that kind of goes with one, one big trend I think is going to, we're going to see throughout uh, that's kind of carried over a little bit and it's going to yeah. maintain for a while is a chasing experience, you know, chasing experience. experience. Yeah. You know, the transformational travel, seeking the new, whether that's, you know, picking yeah. a new place, trying, you know, the brand new thing, the brand new resort, the brand new ship, whether, you know, maybe it's wellness focus, culinary based, like we talked earlier, volunteerism, et cetera. I think there's just there's so many travelers that are going to be having a shifting of their mindset, you know, to be chasing. Yeah, I want to throw in Japan too, yeah. because Japan, 
was so emerging with the Olympics. And now I feel like even younger people are doing Japan. And we've got to look at the currency being so great over there right now. Uh, for the first time in 30 years, the dollar is strong. Um, I lived in Japan for two years. I've never seen the dollar this good <laughs> ever in 30 years. So dollar strong in Europe, strong in Asia. Um, it's a good year. It's a good year to get out there. So. Yeah, that's going to bode well for, for Americans there. Another trend I think we're going to see, Carrie, this was you know, pretty much the the first one once really the world sort of back opened back up. And I think it's going to continue on strong. It's just the multi-generational travel. I think that's really going to rule a lot. A lot of people, if they did travel, maybe they just traveled to their grandparents' house or to the, you know, the kids' house or whatever, and they got together and, you know, post-COVID world here and everything. But now we're going to venture out more in 23 and we're actually going to travel together as that multi-gen family. Maybe you're going to go to Disney World. Maybe you're going to go on a safari with the entire family, which would be, uh, I don't know if I could do that with my entire family, me and my wife. Yes. But Getting, I don't know if I want my sisters and parents, and uh, but you know, more power to you if that's what you do. But hey, but I, yeah, I really think multi generational travel. Laws, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really think multi generational travel will will kind of rule the space uh, for for a lot of folks out there. And I know that you know whether that's in cruising or in all inclusives or you know for Europe is too. I think Europe's going to have a big summer as well. But a lot of families getting out there and traveling together, even if it's you know the skip gen where it's you know grandparents taking the grandkids out and mom and dad or you know, staying at home or they're doing their own trip separately. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how many of those happen because that's uh, something that picked up as well over the last few years too. So any other trends jumping out to you or any yeah. comments on multi-gen? A lot more families um, take their kids to bigger destinations and getting out of Mexico, Caribbean, yes. um, you know, cruising and they're trying the bigger experiences. Uh, I think they want their kids' phones down. They want them isolated um, in a safari situation or in a Europe situation, they don't want them on screens and they want one-on-one -on -one time with them. And that's really something to run with as well. And they're looking for destinations that don't cost them a million dollars either. So, right. Yes. Yeah. Budget mm -hmm. and price will certainly be high on everyone's, uh, thoughts, you know, throughout 2023 as we had inflation in 2022 and that kind of ruled the space for a lot of people and, you know, money, you know, for luxury travel, it's not going to be impacted too much. If you've got the big dollars, you're, you're going to obviously you want to save where you can. Who doesn't, you know, but for, for luxury travel space, I think they're going to still be thriving. And, you know, you're going to look at some of the younger travelers, potentially, you know, Gen Z and millennials are going to latch more onto the uh, microcation here. The short getaways, you know, those three or four days, I think those are going to continue to rise up and uh, just make sure you use your vacation days, people. That's all I got to say. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think the, the the one trend we saw a lot in 2022, at least from what I could hear from advisors too, is longer trips, like people going two weeks at a time. Do you think that'll carry over into 23? I actually don't. Um, I think people had time on their hands during 20 and 21 with remote working and everything, mm -hmm. but I'm already seeing it move back down to kind of the American way where, you know, 10 to 12 days, that you knows. know, 14 is a hard push for people. Americans just don't like to do two weeks. I can't get my husband past 10 days and so I gauged all of America on my husband <laughs> on his travel pattern, you know, but yeah, I think we, you know, people are starting to work more. They're, yeah. they're now back, back to kind of, you know, kids being back in school and so forth and working around just vacation time, camps, sports, everything again. So as long as Americans move at a rapid pace, we'll never have a lot of vacation time. So. Yeah. And I wish that, you know, more people would not leave those vacation days off the table there. Make sure you use all that up. It's mind boggling how many people do not use all their vacation days in a year, especially when so many companies out there don't roll them over and, and everything. So 
Uh, that's something I want to see change in 2023 is people using all their vacation days. But what's something you want to see change in 2023 that may have happened in 2022 industry-wide as far as trends or anything like that? Well, I I feel like we're going to have an overcorrection in pricing now. And we've been seeing this trending. You know, we came out with really um, attractive pricing for people. And now I'm seeing the pendulum shift where everything's super high priced and it's it's really cutting out the family market um so this isn't really answering your question this is kind of a pipeline dream you know i don't want to see the family market cut out because of high prices now and you know we had high prices all summer long so i'm hoping the trend is lower fuel prices and better airfare prices for 23 so that's uh, uh, my wish list um so more more families can travel together but, you know, I, I think trending, I, I'm going to stick with what I do best, and that's luxury and premium travel. I think that's going to to continue to rule the travel industry now for probably the next the next decade. Well, really, 10 years ago, we never even talked about luxury travel a lot. You know, I mean, we didn't term it luxury like you sold yeah. properties. But I don't think we th- – really, the last couple of years, we've just been throwing around the, the word luxury so – so frequently with everything, you know, we have conferences on it now, all of these different right. things that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't. And I always kind of joke, like if you've, you know, sold a Seaborn cruise, that was luxury and it's still, you know, that still is a premium product. But I mean, even if you sold a mini suite on Royal Caribbean, you felt like that was a luxury item <laughs> for people. Now I feel like this, this trending luxury market's going to continue to roll. I feel like that's where all the money's going. Um, and people really need to continue to pivot their businesses to attract that type of client. They need to build their business development plan around that um, because a recession um, is looming. And I have seen it already starting to impact um, the family market. I mean, I was just cruising on on AMA Waterways a couple of weeks ago on the Christmas markets. And I was with a couple who were booked on multi-Viking um, cruises. They weren't with me. They were just at the same dinner table. And they asked me, do you think we should cancel? And I said, why are you canceling? And they said, well, you know, this is our retirement. But now we're really, really concerned with the recession. You know, Viking actually pay a year and year and a half out on their cruises. And I, I, I had to listen to that. And, you know, I had to read the audience a little bit on that because I was like, whoa, here's a couple who's retired. They're doing really well, but they're concerned about their retirement. And they're concerned about spending their travel dollars if we're going to get into a tight spot with the recession. And, you know, those are things that we need to be listening to because, you know, not everybody's a luxury travel traveler, not everybody's premium, but everybody has a desire to travel. And if, if people who are baby boomers are concerned about where their dollars are being spent and they've already spent it on a Viking cruise, then we need to probably be listening to that. And I hope that, um, you know, obviously we don't fall into a recession. I can't think of anything worse that could happen for the industry than COVID right. and then a recession. I did that in 2009. So um, it's still fresh on my mind. <laughs> so Yeah. And then to, to follow it out right after a, a global pandemic like that would be yeah, pandemic, disastrous. You know? Yes. We just don't need it. So yeah, absolutely. we need to be listening because I feel like we've seen a slowdown. I've seen a slowdown in family space. The air, the air this year was so expensive that families just couldn't afford to go places that they wanted to go so yeah and we're gonna see high prices still you know in 23 but yeah deals if companies can launch those out more that's what i would certainly love that but yeah i think you, you talk about luxury travel and everything you at from luxury is the term is subjective for sure in luxury means different things to different people and to different budgets we should say is how we should do that but it seems like over the last few years there's more been 
uh, luxury spaces has like different tiers of luxury when it should just be luxury travel should be its thing. But that's sort of where the industry is kind of evolved into is there's tiers of it where like you had mentioned before, you know, 10 years ago, if you sold the Seaborn, like you, you're good or whatever. So it's uh, interesting to see how that will play out throughout uh, the next couple of years, really, in the luxury space, because as you said, it's continuing to grow and it's going to. And even if there are recession, you know, issues with people, the luxury traveler is still going to have their money. They're still going to want to get out. They're still going to want to do things. So, yes, advisors out there, find yourself, you know, in that luxury travel space as best as you can. Do what you can to to break into that mold. Find a high net worth person. Get network as much as you can, because that's where you want to be as a business, for sure. Yeah, and I actually learned this from my high net worth individual client last week who... And I mean, they sold their tech company for like 180 million. I mean, these aren't people that are like, you know, needing to travel on a budget. Right. But the prices had doubled for a resort from last year to this year that they wanted to go to, that they went to um, in the Maldives. And, and they they flat out said, we're not going to pay that. Like, um, and that's a lesson for everybody to be learned. Just because you work with high, high net worth people, it doesn't mean if they don't find value in it, they're going to buy it. Right. They're just not going to throw out their money and go, okay, great. I'm going to pay 20,000 more for that because we're rich. You know, they don't operate in those terms. I mean, they, they want to know that they got a value and if they feel like they're being, uh, you know, screwed at the price point, they're not going to do it. And those same people looked for a black Friday deal, which was interesting. Here, here's a couple of the worth 180 million from yeah. one cell who, who bought a black Friday deal, you know, hey, and people, people love to save, you know, even if yeah. you are super <laughs> rich. They don't, they just don't want to be like, you know, and that's a lesson for the industry too, for, you know, when high net worth people start like, you know, deciding what their budget is, then we should listen. Exactly. Yes, (laughs) indeed. So this has been great. I really appreciate it, Angela. Let's let's close it out here. Any final advice for travel advisors on sort of mastering the trends in the industry to, to be the best that they can be and be the most successful that they can be for 2023? Any closing advice you want to pass on? I'd say, I'd say pick one word and I, the word needs to be consistent, be consistent in what you're selling, be consistent in what you're um, posting in social media, be consistent in watching this broadcast or listening to this broadcast. (laughs) I'm throwing it, throwing that in for you, but just being consistent every single day. I mean, advisors who are consistent, they have a business development plan and they show up. Um, not just in training, but they're building relationships. That's the biggest thing. They show up and build relationships. You'll thrive. So, I love it. Yes. Get out there and do the work. Yeah. Don't get complacent. Stay on top of it. So thank you so much, Angela. Where can people follow you or uh, reach out to you if they want to get in touch with you? Have any questions on the luxury space or things like that? Plug anything you want to plug. Go. Oh, yeah. So obviously my website is um, luxurytraveluniversity.com. I have a Facebook group with um, 25,000 people in it from the industry, which is luxury travel, social media and marketing for travel advisors or for travel professionals. And then my host agency, Trips and Ships Luxury Travel, small boutique agency um, selling in the premium and luxury space. There you have it. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Angela. I really appreciate it. That is all the time we have for this week everyone thank you for listening stay tuned great stuff on the horizon for 2023 here and don't forget we have a new hotline now so give us a call if you want to listen and uh hear yourself on the show potentially the number is 201-381-3017 drop us a line thanks again for listening everyone have a great week